Welcome to the Cincy Postcast, episode 137. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a fantastic episode lined up for you today. We were joined by the Cincinnati Inquirer's Pat Brennan for this one. The Aaron Bupenza saga that has unfolded over the last week and continues uh, into the early preseason for FC Cincinnati is heartbreaking, fascinating, bizarre, too many adjectives to be used here. And Pat is on top of this story. He was so, so helpful to have on so we could get to figure out what the heck is actually going on with this situation. We also talk about other do we call them distractions? There's other things off the field these days with FC Cincinnati. How will this impact the season ahead? We dive into all of it. And then in part two, it's a real quick in the 11 out of the 18. You throw that all together, you got yourselves a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I've got two gentlemen. One, a regular, but not, uh, not, not a mainstay, unfortunately. I'm joined, of course, by the Chief, but we are joined by the Cincinnati Inquirer's Pat Brennan tonight. Pat, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm fantastic. And I take so much pride in being the post since he's unpaid intern essentially <laughs> it's great to be back it's a, it's a testament to how much i enjoy your company pat that i'm gonna let it slide you're wearing that awful hat right now yeah i know <laughs> ahead, of our, ahead of our big playoff matchup or as i'm terming it the philadelphia eagles get right monday night next uh tomorrow night oh i don't think there's gonna be anything right about tomorrow night for the eagles but um yeah, thankfully there's not a visual component to uh to the offering you guys Thanks. make to the public and Thanks um, all for all of our I, sake. I am wearing a Philadelphia Eagles beanie right now, so <laughs> only because um it's like the last day I'll be able to wear it with any like a modicum of pride publicly and the collapse yeah. will come full circle tomorrow and i have every confidence they'll find a way to lose. So it is a win-win for me cuz either the Buccaneers win this game or I have to sit here and know that you you you're cheering over the fact that you beat Baker Mayfield, which really shouldn't bring anyone <laughs> any sort of joy. No, no. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing about tomorrow. If you win, if you're the Eagles, it's like the bar for success and achievement tomorrow is so remarkably low. So <laughs> <laughs> it's either what you were supposed to do or it's yeah. a terrible loss that you took. There's well, they no were right. and they, were, they weren't supposed to be in this position to begin with, you know, five weeks ago. So. Right. But here they are. Mm. Stumble to the be. end. It's fine. You got into the playoffs. Something most Bengals fans listening to this can't can't say. So I know. Yeah. I'd rather be yeah. there than not. So they were, they were all big mad that the graphic got posted on ESPN that the uh, the Buccaneers made the playoffs at nine and eight. Division yeah. winners hosting a game. Bengals same record watching at home. Yeah. yeah. Just tough scenes in the AFC yeah, North this it year. Is. It really is. <laughs> the uh the Bengals had, I think, like one of the toughest schedules in the last ten years that like any NFL team ended up having to face because of the division being so so strong this year. Yeah. 
Cool. Feels good. And we, we did it without Burrow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll look past the Kelly Green coming through the uh, the screen here. Uh, but no, Pat, I, uh, I I was reminded of uh, Vladimir Lenin this week. He has he has an all timer quote. There are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen in an FC Cincinnati world. This past week was was one of those where a decade happened. Yeah. Uh, we have. Any number of topics to to choose from to start with. However, I know I am curious. I know you wrote a story about this. A bizarre situation involving FC Cincinnati star striker Aaron Bupenza. Um, It's hard to really say much about this situation so such so much of it is still up in the air and i'll be honest with you like especially like trying to follow it from the gabon perspective i don't speak french uh there's a lot of tiktoks out there like talking celebrity gossip in gabon i can't i got nothing with it so yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do my best to like outline this but then by all means correct me if something is not confirmed or something uh but as far as we can tell uh aaron bupenza as i said striker for fc cincinnati had his cell phone stolen back in november of 2023 probably around the time he was supposed to be there for the national team camp um he had his phone stolen. He had, uh, let's say, self-produced a, uh, a sex tape for himself and a uh, unknown uh, woman uh, in the video as well. That video is now being threatened to be released by the, presumably, the same folks that stole his phone. Uh, the threat there being, one, outside of the, I think, obvious embarrassment of, of that happening, is two, Gabon has a fairly strict, fairly uh, draconian anti-pornography law that that could very easily fall under where Bupenza could be facing five years in prison or a multi-thousand dollar fine uh, for having done so. Um, I think think that pretty much covers us, but Pat, fill it it in. Where where, where else? We we can probably, it's probably fair to acknowledge, like, I've, like, certain clips have been brought to my attention uh, by mostly people in the FC Cincinnati sphere. Like there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. Um, There's a ton of rumors, you know, for the purpose of my story, I was trying not to get into the, like the TMZ realm Mm -hmm. where, you know, and frankly, I think when you're talking about the kind of situation that Aaron is in, uh, you know, a uh, potential blackmail situation. Um, you know, the who exactly is on the other side of it. It's a bad actor. Okay. So yeah. uh, the, you know, what the beef is, what it stems from of a little bit less interest to me as of this moment. Okay. Right. This could all change. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you, so I just want to acknowledge like some of what a lot of us are seeing out there. I see those things too. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's a shocking, scary situation that Aaron has been in. I think a lot of people are relieved to know that. Uh, not only is he in Cincinnati and not only did he report on time back to FC Cincinnati, um, but he was a participant 
in the club's internal media day today. Uh, I'm, I would imagine that he was, I think like most of us would be in, in any kind of a like situation, probably had his attentions in a number of different areas, uh, probably a little bit distracted. I would think, I don't know that to a certainty because I wasn't there. This was an internal thing that FC Cincinnati was doing to get ready for this year. But, um, you know, I think at a very basic level, you know, the fact that he's, this was all happening in a country that a lot of people in Cincinnati don't know a lot about. I think there were very scary basic questions out there in the ether that were as like simple questions, but dire, like, is Aaron safe? Is he okay? Is he going to come back? Can he even get back on his work visa? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, So I think there's a lot of relief. I think there was generally some confidence that he would report back on time. And obviously he did. And um, yeah, Kevin, you summarized it pretty well. I I don't want to, you know, be, uh, I don't, I don't want to belabor any of those points, but you summarized it. Well, Aaron's back. Um, now I think it's fair to be concerned about, you know, how the guy's doing, you know, um, I, I haven't seen it. Soccer feels secondary in all of this, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a single projection of FC Cincinnati for this coming year where Aaron isn't a key contributor. I mean, obviously he's a designated player. Right. He's going to be a key contributor. Right. Um, so, you know, in, in a, in a practical, if you're going to talk about the soccer piece of it in a practical common sense way, this is a really troubling thing for the person. And um, I think there are legitimate questions about how that translates to the soccer side. And, uh, but you have to worry about the person first this, you know, I, I said to you guys before the, before we came on, the facts of the situation shock the conscience. Um, it's harrowing. And uh, I think people are just glad as of, you know, 9, 9 p.m. on Sunday night here that he's in Cincinnati and, frankly, that he's safe. So It's yeah. an interesting thing when you see these sort of si- stories take a life cycle on the Internet and – the first bit of information that comes out about this is Aaron Bupenza produces a sex tape yeah. in a country where that has strict anti-pornography laws. And then it's like, okay, the first thing that we all want to do is we all want to make a joke about this. And there are yeah. any number of low-hanging fruit jokes. And as a specialist in low-hanging fruit jokes, <laughs> you know, if I just because the fruit is low doesn't mean it's not delicious. That's just <laughs> like anyone that's picked an apple or picked an orange can tell you this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then as is so often the case, and I don't learn this lesson because I choose not to learn lessons online. I choose to keep stepping on the rake over <laughs> and over again. Um, the story gets worse. Yeah. And it, all of a sudden it turns into, okay, this isn't funny. This is a man who, a young man who, engaged in what we can all look and we all know at this point was a consensual act and is being blackmailed by individuals. And then all of a sudden, when that happens, the story takes on a a, a dark turn. And it is a reminder and an uncomfortable reminder that in this sport, we get players that are global. 
and they come from all different countries all around the world that have any number of laws that we in this country can't even contemplate living under. Right. And yeah, you start asking really weird questions and you find yourself Googling things like, what is the US policy on asylum for individuals that are being persecuted due to blackmail? Or what is the extradition status of countries like Canada and Jamaica? Because the last thing that they would want is, I know that the United States doesn't have an extradition policy with Gabon, but that if he steps off the plane in Jamaica, does he all of a sudden lose protections by being in the United States, meaning that he can't make the trip for the uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup or that he can't go play an away day in Montreal or Toronto? And this is all just to say, I <laughs> every lawyer at FC Cincinnati at KMK, they earn their money on stuff like this. And I am I just can't imagine going through this if you're Aaron Papenza. Yeah. It's, this is a there are so many different ways in this story from his visa status, the extradition status to -hmm. his own personal Liberty that are at stake here on something where as best we can tell, it doesn't seem like he had any fault in beyond doing what I would say a large number of people his age have done. And that's, you know, keep a record of a, of a good night out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah, I would just add like, um, Maybe some things I should have added to what Kevin said, but just that, um, you know, the, there is a strongly held belief that Aaron was the victim in all of this. And I think there was, uh, there were a couple reports that came out um, prior to my own. And all of those seem to put the onus of the, the tape, this sex tape, um, the onus of its existence and the, the the more so the fact that it might leak on air and you know it, things were written in a way that said things like you know Aaron is risking as right. if to suggest by doing well he didn't do that all he did was like the chief said he made this consensual uh, this recording of a consensual act um it's not really really not uncommon in 2024 and uh I I don't even be frankly I don't I don't begrudge him that even people right. are entitled to their sexual proclivities and you know the privacy of their own homes really right. I, I mean I don't care that the guy made a video I really don't and um I think the the sad part is that someone is holding it over him and has triggered what I think you would unquestionably have to say is a life altering event for the reasons the chief just mentioned the potential implications to his work life. Uh, but just having to live out this trauma publicly. Um, and I guess, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that this is being aired out, um, it's a life altering event. And, um, you know, I, I think there are, there are some more immediate things on the soccer side that maybe feel to me like maybe a little bit more, appropriate at this moment to consider like you know he he contended even though he was dismissed from the gabon national team camp in november uh at the at his exit interview in december he contended that things were going to get smoothed over or that they had been smoothed over and you know he and the manager of the national team were on good terms things like this He, he was optimistic about his future with his national team and now you know i think 
if it's a question of whether or not he can legally set foot in that country anymore, and I don't know that it is, but if that's on the table, I would imagine it's crossed his mind. You know, we're talking about probably, you know, potentially at some point this week, he was, I would imagine he was considering the potential sudden and uh, sad end to his national team career, you know? So there are aspects of this on the soccer side that are probably a little more pertinent. You know, he's going to have time with FC Cincinnati. He's going to be surrounded by FC Cincinnati over the next five, six weeks during preseason. He'll be in a safe environment. He will be in an organization with people who have experienced. If you think hard about this, I don't want to name names, but there are people who are well-known in the organization to have lived out traumas publicly who can help, who can put their arm around Aaron and be like, Hey, look, this is the way, this is how we'll get through this. This is how I got through this. And um, that's all going to be really good for him. Uh, But there, there, there are some pieces uh, on the soccer side of this that are very urgent and probably had to be addressed um, in the, in the immediate term. So just, like it, it's a lot to, even though I wrote a, a story about it that I pretty confident was coherent and, you know, uh, followed the, the right formula that I like to follow when I'm writing things. It's, it's hard to sit here and just piece it all together verbally here with you guys. It's, 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 there, there's so much to it. Um, it's so, so nuanced. So We've never seen anything like it. And it's, right. it's very, very disturbing. So, so to sort of ask the questions though. So as, an FC Cincinnati fan. Yeah. As this story is sort of, it's still evolving to a certain extent, and we don't know all the details on this. What are the details that we're missing right now that could be, that you're watching out for, you're thinking could be things that would be, okay, pay attention to if we find this out. That could be something that changes the situation we're in right now for him. Well, I... Eventually, and I don't expect... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, just as a general rule, I wouldn't expect anyone in his shoes to be, you know, have their full attention on the season to come. So, I mean, I, I, I I don't know too much about, you know, how this is going to play out legally or, you know, if, 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 if he's, if he was or did or is going to engage in a payment to prevent the release of, you know, I I, I don't know. Um, You know, I think what I can look out for right now and try to keep my finger on the pulse of is, you know, is, is he okay mentally? And, Mm -hmm. you know, at what point is it fair to expect him to be, a fully functional contributing player for FC Cincinnati. I don't think we can reasonably expect him to be fully engaged. Look, the guy's a professional, right? Like he, he, even during the playoffs, when he was going through the national team situation, he wasn't playing badly, you know, now this is a very different situation to that. I don't mean to compare the two at all, but you know, he's a pro, he's handled adversity. This is obviously, like I said, a potentially life-altering event. Um, I'm just going to be looking to see that this guy is in good spirits and that eventually he's turning a corner and can be a productive player for FC Cincinnati because at some point, you know, we will have to worry about um, the team's uh, 
you know, wins and losses and uh, who's scoring goals, where are goals not coming from, things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, when when is it safe and appropriate to start looking at Aaron again in those terms? Because I don't think we're there. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's fair to go there yet. And uh, my yeah, thought what my thought was is that maybe to be a good teammate that Nick Haglin could just release a sex tape of his own just to take some heat off Aaron a little bit. <laughs> you know, as a real Cincinnatian that, that, you know, we look out for people in this town. So here I'm going to leak something that happened to me. And you this know, is Haglin. It's not, I mean, solidarity is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, the, the tape that I think we all were wishing for is the Matt Miazga Red Bull arena hallway footage. And, Look, if we're if we're leaking tapes online, could somebody just make that available to us? That'd be really great because that would. I mean, I, I don't assume... think I don't think we've heard the last of that. Yeah. So yeah. on that on that note, with with this sort of moving this to a higher level, it's been a newsy couple <laughs> of months for FC Cincinnati. What is your take on just in the club? the vibe going on currently of is it time to calm down a little in terms of the way that, or are you as a media guy, is it just like, yeah, this is great. I'm, I've got stuff to write about. You would would rather not have (laughs) the obvious caveat that you never want someone to be a victim of blackmail. That's that's horrible and whatnot, but that there is sort of, okay. You talked about his, uh, Bupenza's situation with Gabon where that was, that happened. We have, miazga in the ref's locker room we've got this now at what point or is this or is this an overblown worry that there's just a lot of distractions swirling around this club yeah no i i think that's that that is legit um and again you know aaron didn't ask for this situation it is being forced upon him by a bad actor like i said but um it I don't I, I think it's fair to say that it's a lot of noise between those stories you mentioned from the postseason run and now this. And I think you've got to give Aaron time and space here to recover from this situation. And I, I think in terms of what I just termed as noise, you know, I think there's probably still a hangover from some of the things that were happening during the playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this one of FC Cincinnati's strengths throughout most of 2023, in my mind, was that it was such a cohesive together group. I mean, it, you know, almost to a, a, a lame kind of kumbaya kind of. Yeah, that, that's the that's what the vibe felt like. And <laughs> they were riding. They rode that to incredible heights last year. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I don't, I wonder how much of it was the kind of the negative media attention around the Matt Miazga situation versus, you know, what, what just subtracting him from the field, like physically taking him away from Pat Noon and being able to select him. Was that the greatest manifestation of kind of, how that impacted the team, just him physically right. not being there. And maybe right. was, was the, the media stuff, maybe not such a concern for the team. I don't know, but you cannot deny that mm-hmm. the playoffs were a very 
it was it was I thought the choppiest we'd seen them all season probably. Um, it was one of the most uncertain periods in terms of what I thought I was going to see from the team on a game in game out basis after that Red Bulls match and coming out of that international break. And yeah, it, w- it was very noisy. And I think that was part of what made, you know, the postseason exit. So I think p- some people were crestfallen. Some people were frustrated because they knew the team was capable of more. And maybe if, some of the things, some of those story, if the Matt Miazga story doesn't get as big as it does, and if he's not suspended for three games, uh, or I guess it's four ultimately, after yeah, one for the red and then three games, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was it was a lot. Uh, I think that's real, and um, hopefully, there we never saw this team under Pat Noonan really go through a period like that, and now there's been, you know some semblance. I don't think it was a great restorative off season for everyone, especially the guys that logged the most minutes last year and in the playoffs. But, you know, we've had some semblance of an off season here. Was that enough to restore everyone physically, mentally, and to get them past any lingering, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to hear down the line that uh, there, there was a closed door meeting. And I, I don't know that this has happened. Obviously everyone just got in. To Cincinnati, but is there is there a time during the early preseason here where there's just like an airing of the grievances where everyone says anyone who has anything they feel they need to say or speak on from that playoff run that you know because within days those guys were out the door and yeah. on their own in their off season yeah, right. they had to be because it was going to be such a short off season but yeah I think there would be some merit there to going back and revisiting some of these issues and just clearing the air because I think that that stuff was just, it was, it was thick in the air during the postseason. Um, I, I don't think anyone, I, I don't know if there was time along the way in the heat of the moment to address it all. So yeah, I, I think, and with the short off season, like they just had, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that is, you know, a lot of things might be still lingering physically, mentally, and with respect to some of the concerns coming out of uh, some of the noise that we witnessed and all kind of experienced in a way uh, last postseason. Yeah. Because this doesn't feel normal no. for, like an MLS, no. for like an MLS club. This feels normal for an NBA. A more not, normal might be a strong word, but this feels like something that you would expect from a very high level EPL Serie A team or an NBA team or an NFL team there. I, I mean, maybe I'm in a bubble where I don't follow the other cities closely enough, but I don't see a lot of other teams with this much big off field news happening yeah. on a fairly regular basis. Most of these teams in MLS, the players are fairly anonymous doing anonymous things and you just yeah. don't hear stories like yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder if that's the trade-off for, you know, having a global recruitment strategy. You're going to get different people from different cultures. And I, I don't know. It, I agree with what you just said. It's, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think, mean, yeah. a lot, there was just no, I think it was, there was, there was no noise for most 
the vast majority of FC Cincinnati's best ever season. And it became over the course of it, the best ever season the team has had. And then when things got a little bit salacious off the field, then it got rocky. And I mean, you can't, I mean, they're all, these guys are only human, right? So, um, but I think that's an important reminder Mm -hmm. for these guys that like, yeah, for a while, it seemed like it's not that they could show up and just get results, but I think maybe it's more about uh, a gut check that, you know, if behaviors deviate from a certain norm that they're trying to uphold internally, like this is what can happen. You can blow a two goal lead in the Eastern Conference semifinals just from the accumulated stuff mm-hmm. um right you know let, let let's try to get it back on track here i think that's all very legitimate yeah i i think a part of that noise as well although certainly a different variety of it is the transfer sagas that this club uh, has ongoing previously it was brandon vasquez right so yeah Again, similar story to Miles Robinson, actually. Stated publicly he'd like to go to Europe. Uh, allegedly, there were some offers out there, although I don't know how real they were or how much yeah. money they paid. You know, that, I, I want to put that yeah, out. Yeah, please, finish, please. Kevin, finish your, why don't you finish your thought? My only thought was he ends up going to Monterey, and we're probably going to—we're we're at the start of a probable similar— uh, saga with Barial. So I think you have interesting in that it's two players that I don't remember if Barial was an all-star, but two guys uh, yeah, that yeah. absolutely should be all-stars, some of the best players in their position in the league, are jostling to get out of here. And I think most fans understand where they are in their career, but that changes the vibe in a, yeah. in a locker room. Yeah. So, And I, I, sh- I want to include this in the noise too, the fallout. And I'm just surprised there was... I, I, I was caught off guard, and maybe it's a symptom of having never had a true, regular, kind of modern mainstay in the U.S. men's national team setup yeah. at FC Cincinnati before. And just, you know, it, it, it's been a different conversation with Matt Miazga relative to the national team and, you know, Brandon Vasquez trying to break in. But there were, that was a noisy acquisition i mean there was the public piece of it which was fc cincinnati advertising to all of downtown clifton (laughs) over the rhine i mean that you know that it was happening on on the side of the stadium and then he signs fc cincinnati fans i think were in a really uncomfortable spot with that in all honesty because they're celebrating the fact that like their, their beloved GM has just swooped in and claimed maybe I saw Matt Doyle say that, you know, Miles might have been the best free agent in MLS history. Yeah. Uh, the be- So, you know, best free agent signing in MLS history. But then, you know, my, like FC Cincinnati fans are made to feel crappy about it because FC Cincinnati, everyone else is saying FC Cincinnati isn't good enough. From miles right. and, and holding well, him back they're, they're saying mls isn't good enough right but by extension also fc cincinnati right. Is not right. good enough. so like that was really noisy to me and i thought that was an unfortunate one for the club because they deserved t- to take a victory lap on that signing because miles is a great player it was a great signing and i think he'll be fantastic for the club 
Uh, and FC Cincinnati fans deserve to bask in that too. But immediately it was just this incredibly negative thing. And Jesse Marsh is, you oh, know, talking yeah. badly about the damn thing. And, you know, all the, this, this roundly wonderful moment in a, in the club's off season is suddenly, you know, a controversy as well. So that was another strange one for me. And I want to include that yeah. in, in, in the noisy bits here. No, okay. I interrupted you guys. No, no what's, fu- what's funny about that too, is that it, it's this awful part of Twitter where it's person with USMNT an American flag and some other word as his Twitter <laughs> bio name. Yeah. He's paid Elon for the blue check mark. And he's <laughs> always big mad about the fact that a men's national team player is not doing exactly what he thinks. And it's he, it's always some dude in his mom's basement, what he thinks these players <laughs> should be doing to better their career. And yeah. how dare Miles Robinson not go over to some third tier Dutch league or some second tier Bundesliga two, because that's where he needs to train in the crucible of the place where soccer means more and never a thought being given about, Hey, what are the, what's the contract terms he's being offered over there? Yeah. Is he going to make the same money? How, would you take you USMNT American flag truth blue check Mark? Would you take a third of the money you're making currently because you've got to challenge yourself at a different Dunkin' Donuts to manage? Like, is that like what you're, <laughs> is that how you see your career going? Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's incredibly frustrating that for players like that, and we saw a little bit of it with Brandon Vasquez too, and his transfer yes, out to Monterey. Just going to go there. That, that these players, like they're, everyone has this dream of what Americans should be doing and we're not everyone, but this, this segment of Twitter has this dream about what Americans should be doing. And it's like they need the validation of the soccer world that Americans are advancing yeah, upward. Yeah. And that when that doesn't happen, all of a sudden to them, it's in a personal affront to their soccer fandom yeah. where yeah. Vasquez doubles his salary. I think more than doubles his salary going down to Monterey. He gets to play for one of the biggest clubs in on this side of the Atlantic ocean, yeah. there's not a lot of bigger clubs than Monterey. And yet somehow that's thought to be yeah. bad. And in, in an MLS culture where we love when these guys quote unquote graduate on to something bigger and better. And then, you know, a large chunk or some chunk, some amount of fans from the MLS clubs fan base, then become supporters of, that foreign club that right. player destroyed. <laughs> you know, it's it's like celebrating a high school or a college graduation for a friend or family member. And I think there again, FC Cincinnati fans were stripped of that because everyone was, you know, crowing about how you know this was a lateral move for Brandon Vasquez, and you know uh, why isn't he going to Europe? Why isn't he challenging? And so all this nonsense, this absolute nonsense. And by the way, Monterey is not a lateral move. Right. It's. Uh, like since when? Since right. when is it a lateral move? You Thanks know? for the promotion, what guys. Are, what are, yeah, what, 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 yeah. What are we basing that off of? Is it yeah. League's Cup? Wait, the, I thought MLS. I thought MLS sucked. If MLS yeah. sucks, Monterey isn't a lateral move. What the? Right. What, you know, are we basing that off of League's Cup, where MLS went one, two, three in a tournament that five months ago nobody cared about? So now it was all played on American soil. Yeah. Liga MX is still the superior league. I don't. Th- that is a hallucination to me. That 
Monterey is somehow a lesser move. I mean, this is a bigger club. FC Cincinnati's great. Look, it, FC Cincinnati's fantastic. But Monterey is a bigger club with more history. It's just by simply existing for a longer period of time. But also, you know, they've won five Champions Cups slash leagues. And, um, you know, this is, I think, in a lot of ways, a more viable path for Brandon to compete against European powerhouses via the uh, FIFA Club World Cup. So, um, and it just happens to be like a, uh, you know, a beautiful city, by the way, in Mexico that he's moving to. So, just, God, so much. So much it's crap. So, so much, much trauma, man. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm honest. It's so obnoxious, you know. And, you know, uh, Brandon's story is a complete success story for me. You know, it's been well documented. He came over here via Gerard Nijkamp during the Nashville SC expansion draft trade for less than $200,000 TAM. And they flipped that into up to $8.5 million of real money. You know, like... FC Cincinnati. That's one third the price of Mercy Health Training Center. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, FC Cincinnati did right by Brandon the entire time. Brandon did right by them. Didn't try to force his way out of here to Europe, even though he probably, I'm sure part of him wanted to, but at the first sight of success, didn't try to force his way out. He was uh, given a raise and well compensated in the meantime. And, um, and now, like you said, he's gotten another big raise and he's playing for one of the biggest teams on this continent, probably arguably the biggest. So it's it, I don't see any other way to look at that other than good vibes all around and a complete success story. And I think the Brandon thing was also a good reminder of like this idea that develops in people's heads. Sometimes it's completely unfounded of, you know, what european caliber talent looks like because we see guys of varying levels and skill levels end up over there some are you know some people thought brandon who was a more heralded mls player the last couple years they thought oh he's european material for sure has to end up there um and sometimes you see lesser heralded players like sam vines end up in europe but he's over there doing a job like play you know uh, really giving a good account of himself from everything I understand. And then you have another case like Alvaro Barrio, who everyone said, Oh, slam dunk going to Europe. He may end up there. I imagine he will, but here we are in mid January. I guarantee you most of the people that thought he was a slam dunk for Europe thought it would be done by now. And uh, he's still an FC Cincinnati player today. So you know, this idea of what it takes to get to Europe, I don't think anyone, anyone has a good idea of what that actually looks like and what that entails. But also, and- Europe Europe isn't a thing. Right. Europe is a collection of hundreds of clubs yeah, that right. each have their right. own way of doing business, that yep. each value players differently, different that needs, have different budgets know. and different needs. And it's not like, like, oh, you congratulations, you are now qualified for Europe and some club will definitely take you. Right. No, you your skill set and your valuation and your salary demands have to align with one of the clubs in Europe. And that also has to factor in competition level and whatnot. And for Vasquez, it's okay. 
my skill set gets me a ton of money, millions of dollars in Mexico. Why would I turn that down to make way less money on way less of a transfer yeah. fee for my in club? What, yeah. In what is a superior league to MLS? Right. And to a good. lot of leagues in Europe. It's he, league he, MX is better than a lot of European leagues. Absolutely. He is yeah. climbing. He is his trajectory is undecidedly still or undoubtedly, I should say, still upward, like still so, moving in the right direction. So with with Barial specifically, um, he wants to go. Mm-hmm. He wants to move on to Europe. I think that the the rumor mill, or if you believe it online, that the club has placed a valuation of him yeah. somewhere in the neighborhood between six and eight million dollars yeah. is what it sounds like, and what you know I've seen bandied about. To a certain extent, when you have a player like Barial or like Vasquez where they want to go and they've made no secret that they want to go. Yeah. If you can't get your $6 million valuation for Barrial, at what point do you, you as a club say, I would rather get four and versus having an asset on the books that may not be fully bought into what we're doing because they don't want to be here. It's such a good question. And kind of going off that, I saw, I think it was just a fan, so not from any kind of official channel, but I saw someone suggest, it might have been in response to, uh, earlier this week I tweeted like FC Cincinnati still hadn't received any formal bids. You know, that was as of uh, Wednesday, between Wednesday and Friday, I don't remember. Someone said, you know, the more I read about this, the more I feel like he could be here until the summer. And I'm not there yet, but... um, yeah, it could conceivably happen. I, I think uh, it's it's uh, Alvaro's situation is different in some important ways from Brandon's. I think you know Alvaro was always brought here as someone who was a prospect, not only for FC Cincinnati, but I remember Gerard Nijkamp the Zoom in twenty twenty. Um, talking about how this is a player to invest in and basically reap the rewards of down the line. And now we're kind of at that point. Um, so, and it it hasn't always been smooth for Alvaro. Mm-hmm. I think there were times and he only got a couple games, a handful of games in, in 2020, but 2021, I think there were long stretches where uh, he showed flashes, but wasn't like a super impactful player. And, you know, I think for him to see Gerard go, the person that brought him in and yeah, Gerard brought Brandon in too, but Brandon's circumstances were different. No one was, you know, you wanted Brandon to develop, but no one was projecting he was going to get to the point where Monterey was going to pay eight and a half million dollars for him. Right. So right. Uh, I think, Alvaro probably thought maybe like at some point, oh, whoa, like this is not what I signed on for. You know, complete right. regime change, overhaul in the club. Um, position, the change, position change not long mm-hmm. after that. Uh, like and maybe that more than anything else. So um, he is really, he, 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 he's gone with the punches. And I think there's something to be said for that. I think you need to, reward that to a degree, but I will go back to something Chris Albright said on, in an unrelated conversation 
but the comment he made is applicable here. Uh, and I think it was actually on the subject of Brandon uh, wanting to transfer, potentially transferring out. This was maybe 10 months ago. And he said, like, basically, you know, Chris Albright said, my job is to make FC Cincinnati better. I'm not here to make these other clubs better. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, a team I could see potentially getting a discount on a transfer fee for Alvaro just because FC Cincinnati wants to do him a solid, potentially, I'm saying this is all hypothetical. If you wanted to give him an extra kind of added bonus for rolling with the punches and kind of doing his bit for the club and being a team guy over the, over the years. Um, but you're not going to give, you're not going to leave like, I don't know, half a million, a million dollars on the table just because you love Alvaro, you know, like it's right. a business. It's a business. So I think if, if, if someone's going to fall well short of the valuation, then, you know, the team has to stick to its guns and Alvaro has got to be a professional. He knows he's close. He has to know he's close. And if the moment isn't right for some of the big teams that have been rumored to be interested, um, you know, the, there will come a time, you know, maybe there are even better options in August in the secondary transfer window. You know what I mean? But I, I think you have to get the appropriate value. When it, When is someone else going to do you, when is any other club in the world going to do FC Cincinnati a favor, you know, on a transfer fee? Never. The answer is right. never. So right. you're, someone you're not, over, you're, you're overseas not, not, was just a craving for skyline. And they're like, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll sell you at a discount to Cincinnati because you absolutely want to go there. So, yeah. So lens or whoever it is, you know, you're not going to get a bargain bin price for this is a premium player. He's an excellent, excellent player. I think he does need to move on now, but now can extend into the summer absolutely so yeah. i don't i mean look he's under contract he signed an extension last year um so he, he's an fc cincinnati player until a transfer goes through and uh i trust and hope that everyone is being professional about that about the realities of the situation and i'm sure they are yeah, it really reminds me of the Brenner saga last year. I mean, it's about the one piece of drama that could have been there right, right. hovering over the club. But as you said, I, I think there was a, a a little bit of a falling out during the uh, the preseason tour. I, I seem to think there was a uh, team dinner that didn't go uh-huh. great with Brenner and Albright. Yeah. Uh, but after that, Brenner was virtually entirely removed from the team, whether he was truly hurt or not. I'm I'm open to discussion or, or more information, but he basically only played like two games before the team was finally able to move him in the summer. Yeah. I mean, he scored one goal last year. Right. And right. They didn't, they didn't suffer too much for that. Now I think they could have, it's scary to think what they actually could have been with him. If you yeah. were, if you were like on the bus and like really into it, isn't that kind of fun to think about? Uh, I, or, or painful, depending right, on how right. you just, just more but, proof of like how well coached and how well run this yeah, team was last year. That yeah. They got virtually nothing out of that DP striker position until Bupenza really integrated post Leagues Cup. That was just a dead spot on their roster. Yeah. Yeah. And they played this majority of the season with one of the biggest asset pieces in an MLS roster just not contributing. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, 
Yeah, I I, didn't, I hope I didn't cut one of you guys off, but no, um, I, was, I I I'm curious. No, though. Look, I mean, look, they, that was a case where, yeah, they were not going to equivocate. I think there was the bit from Albright where well, I, I forget which channel this aired on. If it was linear TV or if this was an interview they posted, Tommy G did the interview, mm. and they either did it on linear TV on like CPO or yeah. it was on the team website, and like. Albright said they were chasing a ghost in terms of getting all the money back on the transfer fee that they paid to Sao Paulo. I think chasing a ghost might've been a direct like verbatim what he said. So they like backed off of a number, but they didn't back off from their updated valuation. You know, I think if, if one of you guys was kind of trying to get at Brenner's value in the marketplace, like they definitely held on and, waited till they could put something together for a reasonable price. And no, it wasn't, it was a club record. I don't think it was celebrated quite as one because if you do the simple math, they lost they, money. <laughs> ultimately they took a loss on it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, um, yeah. I mean, they, he, what was it? Nine, 10 million, even nine and a half. I don't remember. Somewhere in there, yeah. 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 I mean, huge amount of money. So, yes. Yeah. So let me let me look at this in a different way with the Barreal transfer. To what extent do you think that the offseason, the roster build that they're going through is being held back by the fact that they will get resources for selling Barreal if they hit their valuation or even if they hit less yeah. than their valuation? Yeah. And so on a team where they're carrying so many players that are at max salary budget charge already, Getting that extra, what is it, one point one million dollars in GAM can really make a difference in terms of how the roster is distributed this year. To say nothing of the salary slot he's operating on with his new contract that he signed. To a certain extent, are they sort of in limbo right now with their roster build, wondering if Barrial is going to be here or not? Well, that's a good question. I think. Hmm, I mean, if you look at what they've been doing you know they have been it's it, they've been in a, a pattern of recruitment that certainly suggests that one barrios leaving and two they're getting ready for that yeah. so like the diego palacios situation obviously didn't work out he moved he moved on to where in Corinthians, brazil i believe yes Corinthians. thank you um that's right that's a so, good call, um, though. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be trying to pull in Palacios. And that was early, I mean, and yeah. that was early. like you know, right? So like that was like mid December, maybe coming up on Christmas. But whatever. Another player who saw his name in lights, so yes. all the denizens <laughs> of over the rock <laughs> in yeah. areas. Yeah, very bold strategy, by the way. I, mean, I yeah. love it. I I told people, I this is great. Yeah, gone yeah, are the days you're, of you're sneaking people com- in on a private that- jet somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to com- the flight you're, aware. You're that confident in your recruitment that you're just going <laughs> to put it in, you know, 70-foot scrolling letters across the side <laughs> of your stadium for, for how many tens of thousands of people to see. I, I thought it was great. We need a, a live webcam from the pitch <laughs> yeah, just yeah. At, at the stadium. Just see if anything pops up. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know, um, really. But... Yeah, so I don't know if it's being held back, Chief. I 
by the same token, I've thought for a while now, like it won't surprise me. And I think, you know, we might see this with that, you know, Corey Barrett is in the door people. There's been a lot of debate among FC Cincinnati fans that I've observed about what is that role? Is that the like for like replacement for Vasquez? Um, I do think there will be a larger money striker signing eventually. Um, but I could see all of these things, preferably not at left back because you're really not as deep there. But um, I could see some of these recruitments stretching into not just, the, you know, that <laughs> super expansive right. MLS primary transfer window that's like, you know, four months long. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, some of this stuff took till summer to get done. And that I don't want to deviate too much from your question, but all of that has kind of led me to think this could be a situation where at least in the regular season, you know, I think there's a good solid floor about how low FC Cincinnati can go. And that won't be very low, but in some, like over the balance of 2024, this might be a case where, because you are rebuilding a little bit um, yeah. from last year's team, especially if and when Alvaro moves on. So, um, you know, I, I think this might be a situation where for most of 24, you're taking a couple steps back in order to eventually move forward in the aggregate and maybe get everyone locked in for the playoff run. Um, kind of like they did in 2022, you know, you brought Matt Miazga in during that summer window. And that was kind of like one of the final ish pieces they needed. They felt like that they were, that was one of the things they were able, that was like the last piece they were able to turn over from the old kind of roster. And then, yeah, they went on a nice little playoff run. Um, I wonder if that's, they're just trying to align everything in time for the playoff run this coming season. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe is the is the big picture plan? Uh, you no one would ever cop to this, but is the big picture plan to just brace for impact a little bit this year? You're going to take a few steps back. I think their floor is a four seed, maybe a five, but probably four seed. Worst case scenario. Um, tell me if you think that's crazy. But then you go. Then you're going to charge at it really hard again in 2025. And I know that. It's kind of a crappy thing to think about as we're getting ready for 2024. But there is a lot of stuff happening right now. And um, so getting back to your question, Chief, I think there's evidence to suggest that they have been trying to put the pieces, you know, they've been angling to get a replacement for Alvaro ready in time for the start of the year. And maybe that's the clearest evidence we have that something is going to come to fruition in the next however many days and weeks. Uh, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if whether it's Barial or, you know, another striker, whatever, something totally off the board, maybe. Uh, if some of this stuff stretched into April, like Obi did in 22, and maybe August, like uh, like Miazga did in 22. Well, yeah. the interesting thing, and tell me if, we, if you think I'm wrong on this, because this is sort of a thing I've been working on, a pep theory for how this is going right here. Yeah. Is that if the goal is to win MLS Cup, it, it turns out all you really need to be is a team that's in ascendancy yeah. in October, November, and December. Yeah. We saw that with Columbus. Absolutely. Where they 100%. were not a 
they were not a complete product for the majority of the year. Nope. They finish around, I think, the, what was it, the fourth seed, four, maybe? Four, yeah. I think. yeah. They finish around the fourth seed, but the four. team is coming together and getting hot. They bring in uh, they bring in Diego Rossi in the summer window. They lose Zellerayon, but Cucho starts to heat up. Rossi is brought in and integrated. They bring a couple more pieces in. And all of a sudden, this great season you've put together where you've been the best team on balance, like FC Cincinnati was, doesn't mean quite as much because another team's just playing better and has gotten their, their stuff together yeah. at yeah. the right time. And it's interesting you bring Miazga up because the other thing I've been thinking about is this, is that this year is the first year or one of the first years where FC Cincinnati doesn't have a, a a spot where you can pay a transfer fee realistically to bring yeah. somebody in. They're out of U22 spots. Their DP spots are all filled. And the Miazga comp is interesting because they waited Chelsea out until the point where they didn't have to pay Miazga. He came on a free. And what I think lends a lot of credibility to the idea they're going to wait till the summer window to do business is that they're going to wait for some guys to get out of contract in Europe and bring some guys over on a free. I would love this. I'm just putting his name out because he fits this profile, but it's somebody like an Olivier Giroud where he's going to be out of contract <laughs> at the end of this year and you could get him on a free to play striker. Not him specifically, although that would be awesome. He's dreamy, handsome, and has a Chelsea pedigree <laughs> and is a target striker. But yeah. yeah, like without the ability to pay a transfer fee, you're not going to be able to do great business in the winter window because most of the people you're looking at are in the middle of contracts with other teams yeah. right now. And you know what, frankly, I, I like that Pat Noonan, I, I like, I like the idea of the supporter shield being the more important trophy. Um, but I don't, it's like they've won it. And at the end of the day, it's not, Chief, I think you tweeted something to this effect. It's not the trophy that gets a star put over your crest. You've won it. It's not the thing you need to win back to back. If you can do that, great. But MLS Cup is kind of the piece that they're really chasing right now. So to your point, they really don't they don't they don't need to blow the doors off this league in April, May, June, July, like they did last year. You know, just put yourself in a good position, a viable position for a playoff run, a top four seed, where you'll get at least one, you know, I think at least one or two rounds of home playoff game, whatever. We'll see what um, they do this year. They change the fucking format every year. So yeah, you don't, know what the, you, don't, you don't know what the playoff for. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Uh, joke, absolute joke. But um, yeah, it, you know, they did it in 22. They bring in Miazga, great player. Still needed some time to onboard. And probably I think he would tell you it wasn't as in sync with everyone as he was come 2023 so like the onboarding process takes time um but yeah you don't you just have to have this team ready and firing in time for the playoffs it, it doesn't need to happen a moment before then like you just said like the, like the with the crew and kind of like with fc cincinnati in 22 you know not exactly boat racing anyone but finish the regular season well the last couple of weeks, and then had a very convincing playoff run, uh, albeit with the loss to Philly. So, um, yeah, I, in some ways, I think that, I, look, there's no reason to doubt Chris Ald right now. Whatever he does, you know, you, you're going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Everyone does and everyone should, um, unless and until, you know, we have a reason to doubt him, which we don't. 
But yeah, I, I I don't think this team they've just they've already won the supporter shield. It was great. They they benefited from that greatly. They'll play in Champions Cup this year. That's a great reward for what they achieved last year. But I think there's a been there done that kind of vibe around the supporter shield, even though I hey, listen, I, I'm the biggest champion of the fact that su- the supporters <laughs> run and control that I'm not poo-pooing right. the idea of the shield, right? right? But for the team in terms of their trophy case and what they want to set as the legitimate target, the legitimate aim to achieve this year, I think it's probably MLS Cup and you don't have to have this team, you know, your best 11 set in stone on February 25th uh, in order to achieve that, clearly. Yeah. Pat, well... On that note, I will say we uh, we ran through predictions when the schedule launched. We went ahead and predicted the entire season, and yeah. we we had the same mentality that the team wouldn't try for a shield. That you know this is going to be a cup tournament team, whether yeah. that's leagues cup or if if they're in the open cup. I think that's still an open question. Um, Champions Cup and uh, and then obviously MLS Cup. However, after we went through all of it. I tallied up the points. We came up with a 68-point season, which is one point back from Wild 2023. Optimism. Wild optimism. You can't be optimistic in the offseason. We can't be optimistic. I mean, now, that's incredible. Before a single new signing was made for any team, we made these predictions. So, Yeah, I mean, 60. <laughs> you'd, yeah. t- you'd, you'd take it if offered. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Well, that's the other thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, they lost Brandon, but like they bring Miles in. So like before they signed Miles and before I learned about some, you know, I thought Diego, I I was, you know, I thought Diego Palacios was a a good kind of reach target mm-hmm. to get, if only because I think he always I think Palacios's camp always thought he was gonna go abroad. Um Palacios but, may have had a different opinion than his camp, though, from what I've heard. But that's, uh, that, that, we'll, we'll find out later on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. we, we always find out. Um, the, you know, I, I want to like I, I've already made the the case for how and why FC Cincinnati could take a step back in the standings this year. But like, you got Miles Robinson now. Corey Baird projects as like. Uh, like almost a like for like numbers wise, almost a like for like comp to Brandon Vasquez of last season, yeah. which over the balance of the year, not too bad. Even if it obviously was not as good as in the league as he was the year prior, but you know, you get another striker in the door. All of a sudden, I think Corey Baird becomes like probably the best striker sitting on the bench in all of MLS. I mean, that that would be outrageous, you know, a player like Corey Baird. I don't know what kind of money he's on or what they told him about what the plan is for him. Um, but, you know, you could conceivably see him being a bench option for FC Cincinnati in some in some scenarios. So it's like I, I want to say they take a step back, at least for some part of the season. But then Robinson, Baird, other players they've been talking to, others you think they'll get in. It's like, yeah, maybe a step, maybe a step back for them is a step sideways. And right. like you said, they're still in like the 62 plus point territory and find themselves <laughs> right. 
in contention for the shield with 10 days left in the regular you know yeah, yeah. what's people, funny is people forget Corey baird also could in fact spell lucho acosta at certain points during the year as well like he's got that ability to play yeah. in an attacking midfield role. i thought so that I, was a, that could be that could end up being the, i'm sorry to cut you off chief but that could end up being like the crucial move of this offseason for mm-hmm. fc Cincinnati, i think maybe not the biggest splash but whoa like just yeah, giving you, him minutes off because he was out of like lucho was out of gas there oh, were a lot yeah. of players on this team that were just spent by the time that the MLS yeah. Cup came around and getting a few more players that are kind of like you, Yakubo, where they can do a couple of different things for you and spell a couple of different positions for you. I don't wonder if that's part of the calculus as well with this idea of how do you have your team playing its best soccer at yeah. the end of the year? It's finding spots during the course of the year where you yeah. can give people and, some time off. You know, people are ready to write off like, Marco Angulo and one of the unfortunate lasting images for me of the 2023 season will be him standing at the back post, kind of hands on hips, looking around at kind of almost like he wanted to blame someone else for the Columbus game winner in the Eastern Conference final when really like he was probably the guy to blame on that play, especially considering he was one of like eight players with good legs standing on the field. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a young kid. And I think people have written him off. And I don't think, you know, the speed of the game was the thing that he needed to adjust to. I don't know what it was that he wasn't able to grasp in year one here, but he's had, he'll have had six weeks to sit and think about it, hopefully, and think hard about it. And um, I'm not going to write him off yet. Year two could be a new day for him. And, you know, we assume people just assume you're not going to get anything out of that spot on the roster, but I'm not ready to say that he could come in and this year be the player they were hoping for last year. And, you know, then that's almost as good as an incoming transfer, you know? So yeah, um, Brett Halsey could step up and be a starter, you know, like you just, (laughs) FC Cincinnati has good dudes in this locker room. Um, you could get some surprises, just like we did last year. You know, no one thought Don Baji was going to score five goals or that, you know, Junior Moreno, Dom, and Sergio Santos in the aggregate would essentially make up for uh, Brenner's scoring output. You know, like just yeah. things can happen. They, they have – some of the names I just mentioned are out of the picture right now, but – that just creates an opportunity for the person behind them, you know? Um, That's actually exactly where I wanted to go, Pat, is there are those, those names that are out of contract. Last we heard they were in negotiations. Right. right. Um, Should we at this point assume those folks that were in negotiations are not coming back? Are there any names out there that you would expect to see back? I think primarily the two that I would want to see back would be Arias and Moreno, but Gaddis is still, I guess, theoretically out there. He feels like a good player coach signing if they have one of those available. But yeah, just curious where you think they stand on on their free agents. Or yeah, uh, the two that I, I mean, I think you bring a forward in. I think you can probably, I think, assume Dom Baji is out for mm-hmm. now. Um, 
I mean, look, there, I, I can't cite the numbers. Uh, I can't recall exactly what they were, but FC Cincinnati was uh, convincingly more effective in the attack when Arias was on the field. And he played a good um, right back. So yeah, I think it would be good to see. And I think probably part of the reason it's been hard to bring him back is because he proved himself. He had a couple stretches where he got injured, which is what FC Cincinnati was kind of hung up on before they initially signed him. Um, last preseason, if you guys remember how that went down, he basically <laughs> trialed in Clearwater for a month and they were like, all right, he's been healthy this long. We think. And so he, he was, he was, but he proved himself and he's still, yeah. you know, he was, he was playing in world cup qualifiers during the season uh, last year. So for Columbia, that is. And um, so he proved himself. And I think the market for Arias is probably really healthy. Um, and he's probably due some more money than he was paid last year. But I think it would be totally appropriate to bring him back if that's still possible. And I know we've all probably seen rumors that, you know, those talks broke down or aren't happening. I would take all that with a grain of salt. I, mm. It's hard for me to imagine talks of any kind breaking down when Chris Albright is involved. Um, he's just, <laughs> I don't think things break Persistent. down. Yeah. You guys have met him, right? Yeah. yeah. He's just a, he's a, he's a, he's someone you could pull up a bar stool next to at the bar, belly up to a bar and have a beer with. And it just, he's just a regular guy. It's hard for me to imagine a, good faith contract negotiation where the player pushes back from the table in a huff, you know, <laughs> I just don't think that's right. happening. Um, and Moreno, you know, uh, we've heard about possible midfield targets uh, for FC Cincinnati this off season, but Moreno, he's at a good age. He's another one playing in, you know, the highest caliber matches possible in South America and world cup qualifying. Um I think he can still do the job, you know, uh, just because it might not be a sexy name doesn't mean people should. I think that would be uh, a great, I don't want to say addition because he was, he was in the team the last couple of years, but that would be a great one to bring back. I'm totally with you, Kevin, on those two names. Um, in terms of the, yeah. And then like guys on, like Gaddis who would probably be just as content to, you know, ease himself back into a retirement type period as he would be to come back in the team. And I do think he's someone who can balance those two possibilities proportionately at yeah. this stage in the preseason. That does not bother me at all. I think he's got the right mindset to handle those two possibilities simultaneously. Um, I think that's one where you just wait and see. And uh, I would think that FC Cincinnati gets the last call if he were to sign someone else somewhere else i should i should say and um you know i'm sure he's going to pick up the phone for him for for chris if and when there's a call placed so i think that's one and maybe there's a couple other guys in that conversation where they just hang just hang out let us see where we're at once we spend a week down in florida and you know there's every chance that we'll give you a call tell me what you think about this Okay. Um, I think Junior Moreno is an incredibly yeah. undervalued asset in MLS. Just he's a he is a floor raiser in terms of your roster that you know what you're going to get out of him. 
he will not be spectacular, but he will be sort of a, a load-bearing piece of the structure you're building on a team. You can just plug him in there. He's going to do Absolutely. his thing. He's the kind of guy this team was missing as an expansion team. A guy like a junior yes. Moreno on an expansion team makes all the sense in the world to me. So tell me what you think about this. I think he should sign a contract with San Diego pre like now and then Go be alone. loaned back to Cincinnati until San Diego starts. And then when they begin play, they will have Junior Moreno, who is, as I've said, the perfect person to start building your He's a expansion. Yeah. He's a captain for San Diego on day one, you know, like especially in that market. Um yeah, I think that would be great. And I, I'm sure San Diego is uh, if they haven't been green-lighted, the opportunity to start building their roster out now, I'm sure that would happen soon. Um, yeah, that would be a great – that'd be great. That'd be really cool. And, and then he gets to go up to San Diego. We can hate San Diego and start a rivalry because <laughs> yeah. they took Junior Moreno from us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that would work for Junior in a lot of ways too because geographically he's going to be, you know, a few hours via flight closer to uh, – Venezuela, where he is still playing at an elite level. Well, he's not starting, is he, for Venezuela, but still a contributing member of the Venezuela national team. So, yeah. you know, the guy is still playing. For anyone that wants to, like, poo-poo the idea of, like, a, uh, basically a career MLS guy, you know, this is a career effective, like you said, load-bearing MLS guy who play, has played for good teams, and did the job for Cincinnati, did a, a few jobs for FC Cincinnati last year. You know, I don't think just he, he's the prototypical, I feel like effective box to box midfielder in MLS. And yeah, I, that, I think it's, it's players like that and Arias that maybe weren't household names in MLS. I think those are the ones and bringing in someone like Corey Baird, those are the undervalued underrated pieces that fly under the radar when you bring one in like Baird huge get and if two of them walk away like uh Arias and Moreno if they weren't back I think you will we'll learn I think we'll learn early in the season how valuable players like that are when you see what the team looks like when they're not there yeah yeah it <laughs> It's going to be fun watching the rest of this roster build come to fruition because so much of the moves so far have been within MLS. Like Robinson yeah. and Baird are, are good moves. Kip Keller, good in the league yeah. type moves. Are there any, is there anything in particular you're watching for the rest of this offseason? Something that might tip you off or, or anything? Maybe, maybe yeah. ask it this way. It will be a successful offseason for FC Cincinnati if. I like that. Mm, really good. That's the kind of question we need a sponsorship for. That's like, you yeah. know, the. the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. DM's successful offseason, in my <laughs> mind. I think Moreno's more important than Arias. If you can bring Moreno back in. And have whether it's Alvaro or Alvaro's replacement, a a bona fide like sharp like write his name in Sharpie on the team sheet for now through next December, a, a bona fide starting caliber left back. 
you have one of those, whether it's Barrial or insert new player here and Junior Moreno, I think that constitutes a successful offseason and puts them in a good, strong position to, again, not blow the doors off the league like they did early last year, but just hang around in the areas of the standings they need to be in next year. I think those would be things that would make me feel, would maybe even give me cause to walk back the idea that they will take multiple steps back in the standings this coming year. Yeah. And then address striker in the summer or April, you know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Late, late in the season. Yeah. 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 Um, late in this massive primary window, <laughs> which or, is great. Or, it's like yeah. open from virtually January 1st, to, I think like April 20th April or something. 29, yeah. I think 20, like, yeah. It, it's un- unbelievable. So yeah, I, um, there's, there's work to do. Uh, I don't envy Chris for that either. Like some teams got like the playoffs were just so herky jerky this past year. Like if you didn't make the playoffs or if you lost in your best of three series, like you had an, uh, an extended off season. Three but, months, four months. Yeah. I mean, my God, like 60 days at FC Cincinnati, less than that. I, I, I think I heard the FC Cincinnati's offices were not, this doesn't apply to like Chris and, um, you know, Hunter Freeman who are out recruiting and trying to get these guys in the door and whatnot. But, you know, the, the club's offices were closed for like less than two weeks. Wow. In December. <laughs> so just, people, I'm really, what I am really concerned about this year is the mental and physical tax of last season bleeding into this year. I think it's, I don't, we had a Zoom session with, the national team guys down in Orlando uh, that was uh, on Friday. And I asked um, Roman Celentano how he was feeling, if he was like mentally refreshed, physically refreshed. And he said, not as much as I thought I would be. Oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, think about, think about that. Honest. I yeah. hate, I really hope that he doesn't get like punished or talked to by someone in the club for being real about what the situation is. I mean, anyone would expect it, that to be the case. Anyone reasonable would expect that to be the case. But I just remember there was a time um, after the St. Louis um, Open Cup loss in 2019, an FC Cincinnati player who I won't name gave me a really good telling quote about the state of the team at that point. Ooh. And he got – he didn't get, like, reprimanded, like, fined or anything – but he got scolded for what he said to me. And then he came back to me agitated for accurately quoting him. <laughs> I was, so I hope people don't go after Roman and scold him for being real about what the situation is. But that is a younger guy on this team. Someone who I think just based on the nature of his position, doesn't do as much running around, works his ass off, but doesn't do as much running around on the field. Obviously he's a goalkeeper. And, you know, he basically expressed on the Zoom, and other people were there to hear it, um, he expressed that he ultimately got back to a place where he felt like he was ready. He had the itch. He was ready to come back and do training again. But, you know, the the kind of that 
that certainty of knowing you still need the time off brushed up really close with <laughs> when he had to report to the national team. So, Ugh. um, I, and again, he's a younger guy who probably doesn't have as much tread on the tires as other guys do. So I'm really interested to see. That's the big thing that I'm looking for. Like big, big picture. How does last year, and even the disappointment aspect of the way they lost to Columbus in the Eastern Conference Final, how, if at all, does that bleed into this season? Because let's be real, FC Cincinnati was playing a match, playing that crew match, what, seven weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, this yeah, has feels, not been a real it feels, like a, it feels like it was just like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I know, I know. And that, look, that's what I'm saying. And we weren't right. even playing in the game. So how do the oh, players... it, it hurt like I was playing in the game up there in the stands. I know. It felt real to me, damn it. I know. I know, dude. I know. But, I know, I know. But, but I mean, that is such a fascinating component to all this for me. I think Chris could put, you know, he could make some Hall of Fame moves between now and the start of uh the regular season, even bring, bring some new blood in. If he's able to finagle that, whatever, this is all hypothetical. I would still be concerned for this team and the returning players about the, the toll that 2023 took on them. It's an interesting um, that, bookend I mean, from the that, start. That for, me is, that for me is so much more of a factor uh, uh, and, and maybe is part of what leads me to believe the real push for another trophy comes in 2025. Well, the mm. it's an interesting bookend of the total conversation, <laughs> though, because it's like we start by talking about Aaron Bapenza and what he's going through. And yeah, this yeah. whole this whole season, this whole offseason, to a large extent, is kind of a gut check and a head check on where this team is. And that's, you want to talk about Albright having a tough job. It's tough for Pat Noonan and his staff. And it's where I'm, I'm I wish that his coaching staff would have gotten opportunities elsewhere because I think they deserve it for the job they did. I, I'm shocked that Dom Kinnear didn't get a head coaching I job think, this year. I think he went really deep into that process, and I was surprised that he didn't get the job in the end. And I'm shocked Kenny Arena. And I, I, I worry he's suffering for what his father went through a little bit and the headlines that would happen if he was hired, which is bullshit. And God, I can't wait for all the details of that to come out. But... um. But I'm thankful that they're here in this regard, and that's that this staff has a lot of work to do. I think to your point, getting all these guys mentally flipped onto the next page. And so yeah. that when they go down to training in Clearwater, when they're at media day today, that it's on to 2024. Because yeah. for a lot of these guys, you could easily forgive them for still living someplace else, either in 2023 or living back over with what's going on in Gabon. And it's a good reminder. It's a human game played by humans and that there's a real person on the other end of whatever it is you're shouting from the stands. And I've been as guilty of that as the next party. And uh, and yeah, there's a lot of guys who have to earn their money to get this team ready to play. And if they can do that, I think the opportunities are all there for them this year. I, yeah. I still do think that. I agree. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. I'll tell you that much. Like this, this is a super interesting season coming up for FC super. Cincinnati. Like, I, I, I wonder if it, it may not be, you know, interesting as defined by wins like last year was. I think that could conceivably be less the case. I mean, look, they only lost 
how many times last year, you know, uh, but only once at home. Well, yeah, twice. I mean, I, that's hard to replicate. And that is another, and again, kind of going back to my point, you know, Lucho Acosta, another harsh reality of this is of this year, I think is, and it is a harsh reality. The, the impact of playing in the champions cup mm-hmm. and Lucho during, he, he was down at MLS media day in Miami on Thursday, I want to say yeah. he spoke and um, you know, he was saying that, you know, all the different competitions were going to be, and it's going to be hard to replicate uh, what we did last year. And part of that is just kind of a humble admission from the humble warrior. Like he, can't realistically or credibly come out and say, yeah, we're going to win the shield again. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, he would sound crazy, but I think what I heard in his voice was like, Hey, like this champions cup, the travel, like Jamaica's not too, too far, but it just it speeds up everything and it, it throws the timing off and that it's the timing that this team got in the sink of and used to catapult itself into two great seasons the last two years. Now you're interrupting the cadence of everything. The cadence of all of this has been thrown out the window because the end of the playoffs last year, because of when they're starting preseason this year versus last year, this time last year, they'd already been at it for eight days. If you can believe it, even though the season is is starting earlier this year. But I think as an acknowledgement of like, the wear and tear on this team. And I think the report date for so preseason could begin on the 13th league wide, but Cincinnati isn't going to train until Tuesday. And I think it's just like, uh, we got to get these guys somehow into the second week of January with a break. It's just not long enough. So, um, and then there are, there are so many examples of teams that, spend resources even if it's only for a couple rounds um in champions league champions cup and they suffer for it lafc was last year yeah. i mean yeah and four four cup finals and no trophy unbelievable for lafc um so yeah i mean there are it's gonna it, Interesting is an understatement. I think there'll be some tough pills to swallow along the way results-wise, and it'll feel unfamiliar because last year was just so dominant. But, yeah, interesting is an understatement, and it's, it's going to be fascinating, you know. Ah, can't wait to see it. <laughs> I'm not going to do that justice sitting here in East Walnut Hills trying to convey that via Zoom. But, man, is it going to be fun to watch. No, really, it really is. We've we've seen the evolution of this team from when Albright took over uh, a historically bad team in MLS, getting it up to speed, turning it into a playoff team. Uh, probably got a lot a lot better, a lot faster than they thought in 2022. Yeah. 2023, I think, took everybody by surprise. That was definitely within the realm of possibilities, given where 22 ended. And now we're, we're at the point where every player now is somebody that Albright has signed or re-signed. Yeah. We're, we're at the point now where um, they have to maintain the success. And that's why these guys were brought in from Philadelphia was that they could create 
a successful team, but then also maintain a successful team. It's going to be fascinating yep. to see how they manage that. And yeah, as we said, with all the noise going on, this is, I think this could be a even more difficult uh, head coaching task for Pat Noonan than anything he's had so far. Given the stakes, we know how good this team can be with all of these pieces. Now, can they sustain this? Can they continue to grow? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. I think we've I think we've touched on everything we needed to. But I don't know, Pat. Give, give, give this week a few days and right. You'll have, you'll, have, you'll, have, you'll have another tennis hopper full of storylines oh. to dissect by. You know, probably by Wednesday morning. Oh, peek behind the curtain. We have been recording these episodes on Thursday, the week before. It's it's worked out nicely for everybody's schedule. This week, we said we want to push it back to about as late as we can up until yeah. release date because so much was changing. So many new stories and, and little bits and pieces were coming out so quickly that we just we needed to give ourselves enough room to be timely by the time yeah. this releases. Right, seriously. <laughs> The, the the perils of the one day a week recording. Pat, you're a trooper as always. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm not going to wish your Philadelphia Eagles well. I just I can't do it, even though you're That's our okay. Guest. I'm not anticipating. I don't know how they're favored. I, I mean, a week ago at this time, they were favored to win tomorrow. That's folly. They are. <laughs> they're in the midst of an epic, epic collapse that could cost a head coach who has never missed a playoffs in his three years in charge of this team could cost him his job by this time tomorrow. So, insane, which is insane to me. I can't we are, believe we are in the, and it's not about dude. It's not about people. I feel like the national media was slow to catch on to this. It is not about like, you know, hallucinatory, like expectation levels in Philadelphia or anything like that. But the, the scale of the collapse over the last five weeks has been truly, staggering the team is unrecognizable from itself i mean they were they went from super bowl favorite probably a super nfc favorite to get to the super bowl and having the mvp front runner in jalen hurts to you know now a uh playing on the road in the first in the wild card round of the playoffs against the nine and eight nfc south team and the game is a coin flip at best like it is an epic collapse Oof. and i don't think it's being talked about in those terms but pain yeah well pain. It, it's we'll, something I'll it's something to monitor with <laughs> noonan and albright here or at least albright being a philly guy does the philly yeah. season you impact his mindset how, going into these how does i know he was, <laughs> he was dismayed by the whole sixers kelly Oubre thing Let's see you know the that very strange situation with he was hit by a car in downtown Philadelphia, but somehow there were no cameras showing this happening in a major metropolitan downtown area. I know he was dismayed by that. I wouldn't be surprised if the story of this week is how does Chris Albright rebound from a Oh, my God. Don't, don't put this smoke. on me. Don't put this on me <laughs> that my Buccaneers winning 
would somehow derail Chris Albright's thinking. I don't need this on my conscience. The ultimate poison chalice. The only, would, <laughs> the only way I would have it for you. Uh, so if the Eagles win, Barrio gets sold for $10 million. <laughs> For $20 million. Yeah. <laughs> and if they this don't, is not fair. This is not he's fair. disgruntled this is, this and he's stuck news. on this team. <laughs> no, oh, no, I'm, Pat. You've, you've been amazing, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Before we head on over to part two, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Scentsy Shirts. And I got to be honest with you, if you've never heard of Scentsy Shirts, I don't believe you. Look, they are the best when it comes to FC Cincinnati gear. They are the best when it comes to Cincinnati sports gear as well. They have an amazing selection online and in their two stores, one in Hyde Park, the other in Fort Mitchell. They do amazing stuff. They can also print on demand, by the way. Go check out their stock. And when you do, if you use the code THEPOSTSENSI, all one word, all caps, they knock 10% off your order and we kind of get to take credit for sending you over there, right? I think we can all agree that's that's fine. Just let them think that we are how you learned about them. Uh, they also have MLSPA licensed gear. Support the Players Union and FC Cincinnati players with that one. And as I said, they have print on demand in their location. So if they don't have your size in stock online, go to a store. They'll print it for you. Uh, huge thanks to Cincy Shirts for being sponsors of the podcast. Our longest running sponsor as well. Amazing, amazing guys. Happy to be working with them. Check them out again. Sensi shirts, link in description. Use the code THEPOSTSENSI. Get 10% off your entire order. It doesn't even have to be SCC gear, and you'd be doing a lot for the show. So thank you so much to Sensi shirts, and thank you for using the code. All right, we are back again. Huge thanks to Pat Brennan for coming on the Sensi Postcast. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's the official fourth co-host now of the of the pod. He's been on so many times, and I still want to bring him back on to do a proper preview of the season. So oh, that'll happen. That'll definitely happen. Expect um, more Pat Brennan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Good content. Good hang. Um, we're so lucky to have him. Yes. have people like laurel and cst i know we say it a lot but there's a lot to write about this club i think we we covered that pretty extensively in our conversation with pat but in a lot of cities there's no one writing it and yeah. the media ecosystem around this team is incredibly healthy that's good and what it does is it pushes the club to be better about the content it offers because it's not the only place to get your news. And I think that's reflected by the fact that they went and they hired someone like Carter, who's a really good writer, because they're in competition for page clicks with real good reporters like Laurel and Pat and the yeah. guys at CST and all that. And just it, it's hard to if you don't live in another city where you don't try to find content for other teams, it's actually kind of shocking how few people write about this league elsewhere. Yeah. Or is that shocking anymore? Or are we just do we just accept that and know that at this point? I mean, you would think in an era of like any click, you know, like anybody to drive traffic, that more of your mainstream newspaper of record type outlets would be covering MLS just to go after that niche market, right? Like I'm thinking uh New York Red Bulls, for example. 
they've had absolutely nobody show up to their team pressers or like only their club employees. But there are like large newspapers in northern New Jersey, uh, at least two, uh, that should be doing this. They should be covering this, that you will drive a certain segment of soccer fans there or Colorado. Are, Are there no soccer fans in Colorado that would casually read about their MLS team, it's very, very weird. I don't know the, what's the going media, on. The entire media landscape around MLS is just, it's weird to me. I don't know, like, we've talked about this so often off the air. I don't know if we've talked about it on the air. I find it bizarre that it's so hard to find national coverage of MLS yeah. that is at a, I don't want to say surface level, but, you know, more than just a surface level of what's going on around the league what's going on in these games, what's going on, what are the big narratives going on uh, around, you know, the players, the teams, in, out, you know, who's hurt, who's informed, just the stuff you take for granted on the NFL, NBA, NHL, there are dozens, sometimes, you know, in excess of 100 probably, different ways you can consume content about the NFL. That What is there in MLS? Like... What it's extra time, right? And then what? Hope the athletic covers everything, right? Like right. it's so weird that yeah, there there isn't a a place you can go. And what's funny is about the athletic, um, you've got Paul Tenorio and Tom Bogert who were former MLS employees, right? <laughs> like so they're they're not a part of the extra time MLS dot com setup, but you know. They kind of also are. Um, Even uh, Total Soccer Show has dedicated about an episode a week to MLS. And it's usually David Goss, one of the co-hosts of Extra Time, and Joe Lowry, who was also a longtime contributor to MLSsoccer.com, or at least I believe he was. So, yeah, it's like it's so weird that there isn't a media that isn't not MLS. (laughs) Yeah, it it was funny. I thought about this the other day. Somebody in the Discord in the uh, our post discord asked the question what's a good mls podcast i can be listening to and other than extra time i was like i don't know and yeah in all these other uh, other leagues you have just different types of media to consume you have some that are like you know very very straight up you have ones that are dedicated to fantasy football you've got ones that are news there's ones that are game breakdowns there are others that are just comedy it's just we're talking about the NFL or like, you know, spitting chiclets with the NHL where it's Paul Bissonette um, and, you know, chopping it up with people. There's just, there's nothing like that in the MLS sphere. It's just, I don't know. We're lucky we have good local media in this town, but Mm -hmm. Jesus, it's, it's just, I, I find it really hard to see how this league continues to grow. And this may be a little more meta than I was anticipating when I started off by wanting to congratulate Pat and say that we should appreciate it more. But like, how does this league grow? If, yeah. If your consumption of this league is so siloed into just your team, like, how many people that are fans of FC Cincinnati? I'm talking people that are season ticket holders that could name more than three people on any other team on an MLS team. Yeah. Yeah. Like be... that's 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 insane. Right. If could you ask you... a bank. If you ask a Bengals fan, a Bengals fan can probably tell you at least five or six players on every team in the NFL. That's part of that's fantasy football, part of that's betting. But like, 
we know so little about these other teams we play. It's almost comical. Yeah. Yeah. Can you name three non-DPs on any team? And hell, half the DPs in this league are anonymous as well. It is very strange. I don't know. I know from time to time we've thought about doing a MLS spinoff show or, or dedicating some amount of time to MLS, but... I don't know, man. If somebody, there an, maybe there's an, like the other thing too. I think is like, does there an audience for that? But then it's it's a chicken and an egg thing. Yeah. Where is there an audience for more MLS general content, like stuff beyond what FC Cincinnati is doing? Do people care, you know, about hey, we might not be playing Minnesota this year, but this is what's going on in Minnesota, or hey, there's this big storyline that's happening out on the West with Colorado, and you know, signing players like Georgie Mihailovic and um, or Hugo Lloris signing out in California. What does that mean? Carlos yeah. Vela, what's he doing? Like there are big storylines throughout the league. And is, is there an appetite for that? The answer may be no. And if the answer is no, isn't that a really bad sign for this league? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I guess to some extent, MLS is is doing their best to subsidize it by putting out their own content. But yeah, the fact that the SB Nation MLS you know, blog archipelago, as it were, of various independent islands of content for all those teams was hacked to pieces, I think, at the beginning of last season. Uh, because, yeah, they they just sort of gave up on that business model. It's so strange. I don't know. It, maybe somebody else has a good one. I, I, I haven't found one with, like, I don't like decent we're, audio quality uh, and fun hosts. Like, I'd really like it, but... Like. <laughs> Yes. Send us a DM. Like if you've got a good idea for like how to do MLS content better, I would love to know it because I feel like I feel like the the league is crying out for this and that like this league will not take the next step until people start to follow the league more than just their own local individual team. And it, it looks like this year we're getting away from the every team kicks off at the same time every day scheduling. I don't know. I mean, at least the first couple of games we're playing aren't in the traditional yeah. Saturday at seven time slot. That's a start. But I don't know. Are you interested? Like, this is what I said, not you. This is you, the listener. Yes, yes, yes. I am talking to you in your car or wherever you're listening <laughs> to this. Are you interested at all in more about this league? It's like Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe it's maybe no. we're all just happy. Maybe we're all just happy following the FC. And we learn enough about each team coming in to know one thing to sound smart when we're in the stands about. Yeah, I I would be interested to see if people have an appetite for that. Because, yeah, I would care. I would love. Yeah, even if it's just like a couple of the big storylines at that moment, I think that would be good. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want like tactical breakdowns of other teams. I don't (laughs) care that much. But like. Minnesota fired Adrian Healy or Adrian Heath. Sorry, I always confuse still doesn't this have too. a coach. Still doesn't have a coach, and their interim coach left already. So like, and they they have a GM. Their GM isn't arriving until the summer, and there's a thought that they're not going to hire a coach, a full time manager, until the GM arrives. That's fine. And like they're telling their fan base, no, you don't understand. This GM is worth waiting for. You're going to love the fact that we're doing all this without a GM right now. That's insane. Right. You're going to burn what is essentially an entire season for the hopes that this GM is good. And we've seen GMs have a shelf life of, what, five years, seven years at most. And you're already giving up 
twenty percent of that just to bring him in? What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. You wouldn't know it though, because where else? Where are you gonna? Where is this being covered? Oh, they don't talk some... about this. They don't talk about this league on ESPN. They don't talk about this league on like national sports, general sports podcasts. Oh God, no. There's a really funny rumor out there. I don't think it's very well sourced, but the the rumor is so funny you can't not think about it. Carlos Vela to L.A. Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, but he's going to drive across town to the other stadium. So good. I love the idea of their star player, the guy that they built, literally built the franchise around, goes and joins the rival across town. Oh, that's <laughs> delicious. That's so good. Kind of glorious. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There's some funny stories out there if people are interested. But we're not covering them because we are no. doing in the 11 out of the 18 to finish this episode off this is where we find something from the past week uh that we like we put it in our starting 11 or something we don't like we're kicking it out of the 18 maybe it's got to go do some minutes in mls next pro uh so chief no i always start you start okay this week. you want what's me to start your, right. what's in your 11 kevin well Typically, this is a non-soccer section of the show. However, I <laughs> I do have a soccer-specific uh, way I'm I'm doing this, and I'm gonna go in my eleven. Oh my god! I've already I've already lost it. I've oh already lost god. it. Here, really? I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna go out of the eighteen. I'm putting the preseason schedule. I'm I'm going here. This is my Ooh. favorite rant. I get to do it every year. Oh god! Is the this club the filming. The filming the preseason and televising the preseason. You rant. bet your ass it is. All right. Preseason comes. FC Cincinnati is going to be playing four matches. Uh, what are they doing? They're they're in Clearwater, Florida. I think they've been there every year but one, including the uh, USL years. Definitely an MLS. Uh, they're playing at Al Lang Stadium, which could be fun. Austin. Uh, then they're playing New England Revolution twice, and then of course, of course the Philadelphia Union. Uh, and per usual, these will not be broadcast. These will not be filmed. These will be hardly described in any written or audio form whatsoever. Uh, it's super frustrating. Every other sport on the planet Earth has a preseason where fans are not only allowed to watch, I'd, I'd even say encouraged to watch. Uh, other soccer teams around the world certainly make a big production of their preseason, whether it be, uh, you know, high profile friendlies around the world or at a big camp in the Middle East, usually where they'll put some of this stuff up. They'll film some of these games or they'll open the stadium up to playing a lower division side uh, domestically for a preseason match scrimmage that people could come in and watch. Uh, we get nothing. We get absolutely nothing. And I've I've made peace with the fact that we don't get anything, even though I'm convinced even if it's shitty quality, you could do it. I'm convinced they do this because they are generally breaking immigration and labor laws by hosting these games and playing players that have yet to <laughs> legally be signed anywhere in these games so that if they were broadcast or if a ticket was sold, it might be misconstrued as them performing, say, a job in a country that they may not legally be allowed to. And uh, I just unnamed, wish... Unnamed trialists can't break the law. Santiago Arias very much could break the law. Yeah, what was the other one? Um, was it Lacadia? Somebody 
was definitely not in the roster, definitely not on the team. I think it was Jurgen Makati, actually, where he hadn't like been yeah like some paperwork hadn't come through yet or something like that some tweets had to be deleted it was it was a big deal so i've made peace with that fact i just think it's very weird you have mls season pass you're desperate for content most people if they if you bought a season it expires at the end of january most of these games are in february feels like easy content guys just put it up there you don't need a commentary just just put it put a decent camera up I, I, when we get preseason streams and you say just put a camera up there, it's amazing how bad soccer is when it's being filmed from a bad position <laughs> where there isn't a broadcast position and the camera doesn't zoom. Where like the the fan like or the person holding the camera in the state in the like the the bleachers, yeah. and they pan over and you can't see a damn thing that's happening. Like the, you can't read the numbers on the players. You're just sort of guessing as to what the hell going on is going on. You've got to be a sicko <laughs> to want to watch preseason soccer in that format. Look, I'm not saying I'm not a sicko, but <laughs> and then and then you know what happens. You know what happens is you watch that, and then all of a sudden everybody runs off, and we have hot takes because how bad the defense looked. In this 720p stream that isn't it. zoomed, where you can't tell what anyone's doing or who's <laughs> playing, all you can see is goals being scored and what was Roman thinking. And then you find out a week later it wasn't Roman playing because you couldn't tell that from the the how grainy and awful the video was. Well, two things to that. One, I don't mind a tape delay. Look, it doesn't need to be a simulcast. You can you can film it across a couple of iPhones. They shoot in 4K. They output in RAW. All right, like don't give me this. They don't they don't give you high enough quality. Slice it together. Post it a day later. Three days later. It doesn't matter. But let me see it because because I know the preseason doesn't matter. But I want to think back on two incidents in particular. Maybe three. The first one is uh, the Carolina Challenge Cup was broadcast. Our team was set up in one formation, and it looked so horrible that Alan Koch changed the formation going into the season. The preseason told us something. We learned something. We we all could see it with our eyes, and that happened. Uh, the other was when uh, the Louisville team admin scored against Ben Lunt. We were told it doesn't matter. Looking back on it, it's a pretty good indicator of where that right. season went. <laughs> Yeah, not great. And I'll say unknown trialist number three, a.k.a. Santiago Arias. I don't know. Would have been fun to see that guy trying out. So. (sighs) I guess I'll I'll follow suit. I'll go out of my 18 first. Out of my 18 first are uh, Euro soccer schedule hardos. (laughs) Um, So last night we had a game, NFL game, terrible game, but. Worth watching if you enjoyed possibly seeing people die of frostbite and hypothermia on the field. A game being played in Kansas City between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, where the kickoff temperature at 7 o'clock local time was 5 degrees below zero with a wind chill uh, that dropped temperatures down to about 25 degrees to 30 degrees below zero. Uh, There was a game that was supposed to be played last night in uh, Buffalo between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills that had to be re- uh, moved to Monday because of whiteout and blizzard conditions that would make it unsafe for a large number of people to all congregate and drive in one area. 
they were offering people $20 an hour to come down and shovel snow out of, uh, I guess it used to be called Ralph Wilson Stadium. It's probably named after an, an underwear company at this point because everything, <laughs> everything has a name. But um, yes, this is the weather that European soccer hardo schedule people want the U.S. to be playing soccer during. And I think they are dumb as fuck. And if you're looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, no, we can definitely emulate the calendar they use everywhere else. Uh, shut up. Yeah. Nobody wants to go watch soccer. Nobody wants to go watch any sport in 25 degree below zero wind chill. People will do it because they're psychopaths and because it's a it's the NFL. They only play so many games a year. And this is the playoffs for a regular season matchup between FC Cincinnati and Minnesota United or Ooh. FC Cincinnati and Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, no one's going to go watch that in this weather. You are stupid and agenda-driven world soccer talk if you're continuing to push this bullshit narrative. And MLS, unlike any other of the major professional leagues outside of maybe hockey might be in this position, but MLS relies on gate receipts to stay afloat financially. Like the NFL would obviously make less money, but the NFL would be generally fine if every ticket was free in their stadiums, right? Yes. But MLS can't do that. Like a huge percentage of their yearly budget comes from the ticket revenue. And so, yeah, you can't risk that. And then uh, this is where I, I will say I'm in favor of, of something like it. But what you end up doing is you end up playing the exact same window of games that you're doing now, but you're just flipping the beginning and the ending and calling it a success, which feels really complicated for almost no reason and completely ignores the fact that I think most of South America runs a schedule similar to us and all of Scandinavia runs a schedule similar to us and Ireland, I believe, runs a similar schedule to us. So when they say the European schedule, it's morons that literally only watch the Premier League and have no understanding of how the rest of the world deals with, I don't know, their local weather, like in Norway <laughs> or Finland or Sweden or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Come on. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Although, you know, we get to see cute videos of Taylor Swift wearing Travis Kelsey jackets that are handmade. And isn't that, doesn't that make us all the real winners? By the wife of a current 49ers player player yes. made that. I don't this is these are the things I don't necessarily want to know about, but I do know about. Can I, and now can we I know. offer another special out of my 18? Just one more. By double, all means. Double out, of the, uh, out of my 18, also the Peacock app. Um, <laughs> I have a specific reason for hating the Peacock okay. app. Okay. All right. So this is a little inside baseball, but hear me out on this. The NFL has moved to YouTube TV for Sunday Ticket. Yes. Mm, yep. Thursday Night Football is on Amazon Prime. That's a streaming app. Yes. Yep. Okay. For both of those things, YouTube TV and Amazon Prime, if you are a business owner, like a bar, a sports bar, someplace like that, you don't use the streaming app to view these games. You use Direct TV still to view these games. Right. Peacock doesn't follow that same thing oh you have to actually go and put the login on each individual tv you want showing the game oh, to no. the peacock app and start streaming so last night i was at a local watering hole watching this game with a couple of friends 
there were four TVs showing the Kansas City uh, Miami game all at a different point in the game because you can't sync up streams because it buffers and streams at a different rate. So whenever you looked around the bar, everyone was cheering and watching at different times because you can't (laughs) sync the goddamn streams up. It's not a problem if you're on direct TV and every direct TV is at the exact same point in the game. This was awful. Get your shit together, Peacock. Wow. What's embarrassing is... MLS even has a deal with DirecTV for bars. Yes, for the they season do. Pass. Everyone else has figured this out except fucking NBC. And if MLS is ahead of the curve on you, you've really fucked up. Yeah, sure have. <laughs> now, I, I will say, I thought you were going a different place. I have been, I don't know why I do this to myself, defending the Peacock move to people. Because back in 2014, the NFL started putting playoff games on ESPN, which I continue to point out to people is still a paywall and a much more expensive paywall than Peacock ever has been, probably ever will be. And uh, people were mad that the NFL was behind an app. And I I thought, I I don't know, $110 a month for basic cable feels a little more onerous than a $6 one-time charge. If you were only going to pay for this one game and you needed to buy one month, it felt like a, a decent price to pay, but I don't know. It's funny Weird. how like it's funny how you live insulated in your own little timeline on social media, and because my timeline is is populated by so many people who are soccer fans, the outrage over Peacock just wasn't there because we already have it for the Premier League. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, like uh, we we've already dealt with this nonsense. Oh, especially back when they first launched Peacock, where you had like NBC Sports Network that they were still in the process of killing, and USA Games and NBC, and it was very yeah. confusing yeah. where to find your games. <laughs> Three different paywalls or two different paywalls to watch soccer in the Premier League, but everyone lauded it as such a great deal for fans. Bull- bullshit. Gross. Kevin, what's in your 11? In my 11, and hopefully in Greg Berhalter's 11, Ian Murphy. Uh, Hot damn. We recorded recorded before the roster drop. The roster drop. Ian Murphy is on there. Uh, Yeah, uh, I'll take a victory lap right here. I thought Ian Murphy could potentially see a call-up. I'll say I didn't expect it less than 24 hours after saying that, but... The Camp Cupcake does make the most sense to uh, bring Murphy in, but no, it's a huge moment for him, and especially considering Miazga has already been in and around the national team. Miles Robinson was also called in, and Celentano has been called in. That makes the core of the defense solidly U.S. men's national teamers, and you know, if careers go the right way and injuries go the right way, uh, that could that could be your your world cup starting uh defense for the old us of a so yeah that's a big deal for ian murphy that's it a that's really a cool is. that's a cool thing going from super draft pick to us mnt call up you Man. know you've sort of forced your way into the starting lineup with your play you've he's improved every single year he's been here um to this point right now it's i think most people are projecting he's going to be the match day one starter now, you're going to see a lot of Nick Hagelin just because they're going to be he's going to be the first fill in and they're going to try and get minutes off for a lot of guys. And there's a potential of losing Miles Robinson to various international duties during the summer. And 
maybe Matt Miazga. I don't know. Maybe he and Greg Berhalter can hug it out at some point and figure out what's wrong with the two of them. But yeah, that's that's really cool. And I I don't I don't know that that got as much play online as I would have liked because that's yeah that's neat. And I understand. It's another thing we could have brought this up with Pat Brennan of, you know, people shitting on this too. Like, why is Ian Murphy getting called up? This is an abomination that he would ever wear the national team jersey. Just first off, if that's you online, touch grass. Right. Just touch every blade of grass in your front yard. Stop hating on this for a dude who gets a chance to suit up for his country. That's cool. That's neat. That's something that lives in the Wikipedia profile forever. And that's just it's cool for this club too that this yeah. club this club has a backline that is entirely people uh that have US MNT caps that's in a domestic league that's the dream yeah. is that where you're required to start a certain number of domestics that your domestics are all people who are good enough to play for your national team exactly and it's what MLS like if you are a USMNT only type fan this is what you want from MLS to be developing young American talent, putting them in the shop window of the national team camp cupcake call ups and seeing where their career can go and, and testing them out and seeing what they have. Like, I don't see why you wouldn't want to cast as wide a net as possible to see what you find. It's it's a good positive thing. And I think, too, you, you talk about good job for Murphy. Think about how I think most of us felt after that first Austin game, that first Pat Noonan era game, and Ian Murphy was so bad. <laughs> he yeah. got subbed out real quick at halftime there to now getting a national team call-up coming off of a season where he was a uh, a part-time starter for the Supporters' Shield winning team, a team that was challenging for the all-times points record, a team that was... Uh, in the hunt, and if not favorites, for every piece of trophy that they 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 were competing for, like yeah, that's a cool moment for that guy. So way into my eleven on this one. Love that, love that for the team. I hope that it gets acknowledged at some point. You know, I don't know. That's a cool thing. You should get like a patch on your jersey if you are a current starter for your national team somewhere, or a current member of your national team roster. That would be More cool. Jersey patches. Or even like, yeah, you get to carry your national team's flag on it, right? Yeah. Like it's just it's a patch or even like uh what do they call it? It's the jock tag. It's the little yeah. piece of thing down at the bottom. Yeah, let those players get a little nation flag of their nation of uh, you know, if little, they have a cap. That would be a little national cool. flair going on there. I yeah. like that a lot. Uh Chief, what are you putting in your 11 then? In my 11 are parachutes. Um Oh, apparently you need to start wearing one if you're going to be flying on a Boeing plane <laughs> lately. <laughs> Kevin, what's wrong with Boeing? And should I be worried about any upcoming trips I have uh, flying out of CVG? Uh, well, apparently it's only their latest and greatest airplanes that are not very good at remaining airplanes. It, play, <laughs> remaining in the air and functioning at all levels. Oh, my God. I what was so funny about that story is there was like footage from people filming 
in the airplane as it was happening. And all the passengers were very quietly trying to figure out if the two empty seats next to the hole on the had plane people. had people. <laughs> <laughs> was there anybody there? Like, oh right. man. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on with airlines just in general? So like they got this one, the door blew open or the fake door, because it's not a real door, blows open on this one, which is terrifying to me because I'm a big exit row enthusiast <laughs> for a lot of obvious reasons. If you've met me, um, don't love that. Don't love doors blowing open because nope. that's a terrifying like fear that I didn't know that I needed to have yeah. on an airplane. Not and then just, you know, there was that woman yelling that people aren't real at the back of the plane. Yeah. And uh, there was the explosive diarrhea flight that happened a couple years ago. I, I just I I don't know. Is it? Do we need to start thinking more about trains? Look, you're not going to you're not going to find me disagreeing with a more robust rail network in this country. OK, uh, but I, I do think a large part of this stems from the fact that we no longer get dressed up for airplanes. Uh, there was I a point in that. time where flying on an airship was respected for the technological wonder that it truly is. And people would wear suits and classy dresses and smoke in lounges on airplanes. And I do I do truly mean smoke in lounges on airplanes. Uh, right. We need to bring that back. We need to bring the I don't know, the the uh, the upscale airplane needs to come back. People need to be treating that like a luxury because it's fucking insane that we as human beings have the ability to fly. A lot, lot of stuff being taken for granted. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, then in that case, yeah, in my 11 is Boeing to making everybody appreciate <laughs> how hard it is to fly airplanes around the globe. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of magic, right? And, you know, it, I don't know. It feels like we should have a little more respect for what we're doing here. I, it's also one of those things, too, where this was an Alaska Airlines flight. But also, you know, part of the reason why I don't love Frontier and Allegiant is that if I'm paying 70 bucks for a ticket, I'm wondering what we're skipping in order to keep in order to keep the prices low. And I say this as a man that took a $15 Ryanair flight once from Dublin to London, where again, it's like, can you charge me 30 and give the plane another once over before we take off? They take uh they take all the power tools away from the maintenance team. They they're all sure they're hand cranking things on that airplane. Yeah. It's never no, it's like we're doing a Fred Flintstone takeoff to save fuel <laughs> with everyone's legs down. I, I don't know. It's uh yeah. it's air travel. It's the best. I, a faster rail network would be awesome. I, I did try to do this. I was trying to figure out um one, props to Redbeard again for putting together the cost of every away day uh, on the website. Go check that out. But going to Chicago uh, early this season by rail alone, it would involve taking, I think, three days off of work <laughs> and catching multiple trains uh at say after midnight, but before 6 a.m. So it just... feels like the kind of thing where it's like if you win the lottery is becoming an exclusively I only travel by train person because you can afford to do that. Away Days video exclusively by train would be so great. <laughs> That'd be a great fantasy football punishment too is that you have to get from somewhere to somewhere 
only on a train. <laughs> you've got to, yeah, you've got to go to New York City and take a photo at this tourist location, but you can only travel by train both in the city and to the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's, you need to be in LA, but you have to take a train to get there. Between. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there are like some really fancy dinner trains. Like if you have like a week or two of vacation to burn, like, yeah, you can go get it, book a nice trip on a sleeper train and they've got decent food on there. You go travel the Rocky Mountains or something. That sounds nice. But they're moving at like eight miles an hour or whatever they're allowed right. to move a or train in like, this country you, know, you, you get sidetracked when some norfolk southern train explodes carrying rat poison or whatever the hell's being hauled that's a good point yeah all, all of the industrial rail gets priority or whatever signal so. priority yeah cool so it's just yeah neat that's that's just it's a glorious way to travel I, although, although it's it's still better than being sucked out of an aircraft when the door blows so it does it does remind me of the uh there was an old there's an old like uh, who goes first question. This originally started with trains, but then it became automobiles. It was like an ambulance, a police cruiser, a fire truck and a post uh, and, and a post truck all show up at the same four way stop. Who has priority? And, and the answer is always the postman because he's federal and the, yes. the, the post trains would always get priority over everybody else's trains because these were federal government trains. I don't know. I don't know why I just said that out loud. But there I you go. Know, That's the postcast. I, I, I felt like I learned something right there. There we go. We got something. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you learned something too. And if you didn't, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcast, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.